David Manica is here today. We're going to talk about continuing continuing education and training. That's it. Career insurance That's theme. Right. With career insurance, which means planning and being proactive about your career, not a guarantee that we're going to get you a career. That's right. And why is that important in 2020? In 2020, career insurance, why that's important? Let's just, let's start with that theme. We've talked about this before, but if someone's listening for the first time, let's review that and dive right into the topic. All right. So I think that's a good point, John. So really, this is our third iteration on career insurance. And what John and I are trying to talk about with this is that you have to be prepared in what's called a VUCA world. VUCA is volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. In this VUCA world that you are going to be disrupted at least once probably multiple times in your career. And so what John and I have seen for the most part, both me personally and John professionally, has seen the reactive approach to career planning, which I don't do anything until something happens. And that something is usually a layoff, a termination, or a horrible boss that makes you want to go find another job. So career insurance is talking about the ways that you can proactively protect yourself for when those things occur so it's not so painful. And John will tell you life disrupting as he's seen with a lot of his clients. Mm -hmm. It is di life disrupting often when you have a career role going on and then something happens. Today, look at the mergers and acquisitions. Oh, SunTrust and BB&T. In a good economy. It's happening all the time, especially mm -hmm. with tech companies and early stage companies. You, you may not know it, but someone's in the background looking at the numbers, looking at the financials going, you know, this might be a good time to think about selling. And you thought, with all that was said to you when you started five, seven, eight, ten years ago, this is going to go like it's gone before. But you know what? Disruptions can happen from your own personal life. Yep. It can happen externally. It could happen. I think all of us look at the macro economy and say, well, not until the next recession, but who knows when that is? Now, in most cases, the disruption will occur outside the recession because the company is adjusting to meet the needs that might occur when the recession comes. There's much more proactive changes in how organizations are structured, especially the big company side. And big companies have a lot of volatility. And I think one of the fallacies is people think big companies produce all the jobs. In most cases, small companies produce most of the net job growth. Big mm -hmm. companies produce jobs, but at a zero sum. Lay off 1,500, hire 1,500. Mm -hmm. Lay off 500, hire 500. The new 1,500 and new 500 are new areas that the business wants to go into. Or they may send it, outsource it to another that's country. That's it, exactly. Save or money. to AI. That's, and that's the whole other disruptor, which pushes job skills to another level that you have to be able to retool yourself to compete. Let's assume that people are buying into the fact that there will be some kind of disruption. They've either seen it, experienced it personally, or it's going to happen to someone they know and dearly love uh, who's close to them. But let's get into the topic. Why is continuing education training important to talk about now as an aspect of career uh, insurance? There we go. That was a good one. Let's so John just threw me a nice little softball so I could hit it Poof! out of the park, right? So there are universities talking about offering a six-year degree now. Four years of a typical degree, then a bank of two years of time that you can use in the future to retrain yourself. Understanding that the expertise you focus in on when you graduate from college is not going to be a viable expertise 10 years from now. 
So one of the things that you have to look at with continuing education and training now is that you can't look at your college experience and say, once a lawyer, always a lawyer. Once an engineer, always an engineer. Once a marketing professional, always a marketing professional. The changes that occur in each one of those areas are so catastrophic now that they'll disrupt what you learned and make you obsolete even though it's in marketing. So you might be a marketing professional, went to college for marketing, and there are common threads in marketing, but the disruptions in marketing that have occurred make a lot of us older marketers obsolete and, they, and unhirable. And that's happening a lot. Marketing is a great example of this. So there's a, you're saying that the, there's a trend toward the fusion of bringing in the mentality of a technical community college of some sort into these four-year institutions because they know what's coming, which is there will be disruptions. You're going to need retraining. Sorry, but that's the reality today. And you may need more specific training to learn the technology exactly. and the skills that are coming. So think of it as a level of career insurance that's somewhat underwritten. This is why I mean, it's underwritten by you because you're banking the hours, but you're banking them at the rates that occur now, and you can use it in the future. Now, it's not a huge trend, but what you want to be thinking about here is this is an industry that provides education telling you what the future is holding. So when you start thinking about the education world, there's really the business-to-business -business side, which is for-profit training companies who actually work with other companies to retool the people in those companies to do the things the company needs to go to. And then there are B2C for-profit schools, and I know that's a dirty word in some cases, but do a very good job of retooling individuals to move on to new things, especially if their company's not going to pay for it because it's not relevant to where the company's going to go. You know what's interesting? I've just read recent articles in some of the local publications and online, WRIL, TechWire, in our area, and News Observer, and some of the others that are talking about some of the companies bringing in retraining programs for people that don't even have a four-year degree, training them on the technology, the programming they need. IBM's one of them. Yeah. Who's br they're bringing people in who were, you know, maybe working as janitors or in the library of one of the, one of the places, but they didn't have a four-year degree. And then they're getting pretty darn good jobs in $70,000, $80,000 just on their, quote, in sponsored internships alone. Exactly. And so a they're realizing that training's important, but what's the history of training? Because what's happened over time, as I've seen it over 20, 30 years in career services, that companies used to have this bring you on, train you, retrain you, redeploy you, continue with you, you get the gold watch, you retire with them, and then they started saying, you know what? You're responsible for your own training and continuing education. We're, if you're ready, we'll hire you. But if you're not ready, mm -hmm. so there's a real, there's because the what you have to train is so different now. So the first thing you talked about was the adage that a company was willing to invest in you. That's because the amount of training they had to give you was not as heavy and not as disruptive. So you're an engineer and you got to learn a new spec. You're an accountant and you got to learn a new tax reforms. And you could do that inexpensively and you could do that internally. What we're talking about now is the economy causes disruptions that you have to teach that lawyer 
a whole new level of law related to the internet or related to intellectual property associated with the internet. Or cyber security. Cyber security risk. issues associated with that. Exactly. You got to train the engineer how to use new tools to process the information necessary to make sure something structurally fit. So the history of training, you know, first off, the industry itself is volatile. I always talk about the fact if you have a brainstem and a credit card machine, you can start a training company. So there's no barrier to entry and there's no transfer costs. Well, that's only because you know the business so well, you assume it's easy, but not us who have not started training companies. But if you have a knowledge... But give us a little bit of history of your background in training because you do have a depth in this and I think brings credibility to this, a lot of credibility to this talk. Mm -hmm. Your experience in the yeah, I got world. 25 years of business of business for profit training. Started in 1995, and then I started with a company who the founder started in the business of business for profit training space in like '82, and so he so basically collectively you could say I've got an understanding of the industry since the late '70s, early '80s, and it really started out as one day seminars for continuing education purposes mm -hmm. for doctors, lawyers. Um, anybody who had to have a continuing education scenario. But then technology started changing the opportunity for training companies to actually be able to go to a company and train them on basic computer repair. And the A-plus certification was one of the first certifications. And then, you know, with the proliferations of the Cisco's, Microsoft's, and Novell, and Novell was really kind of the first starting point for getting your certified Novell engineer to CNE and the CNA certifications, which really drove training, business-to-business for-profit training, to the cutting edge. Because usually it was just like you said. We had a training group in the company. They were employed by the company. They did the leadership training. They did the basic you know, compliance trainings and things like that. And then because this complexity with technology started coming in, it built this industry. So you have this industry of training companies who can offer services to help companies pivot but they're built just like the recruiting thing we talked about. A business-to-business for-profit training company, I don't really serve the individual in the class as much as I serve the company based on what I think companies need in order to grow and prosper because the companies pay in the B2B space. So back to our theme, career insurance and continuing education and training, what do we need to take ownership of now if the company's not sponsoring us you bringing go. us through every little bit and looking out for our future They're not. and trying to keep us protected. That's right. Initially, what? the company's going to look at making sure as a human capital resource that you are being given the knowledge necessary that gives the company the best opportunity to be productive and successful, which may or may not align with who you are and what you need to do going forward to be a relevant career-minded, successful professional. So you have to take ownership of that, first and foremost, by understanding the market that you're in and the trends that you're in. So if I'm a marketing professional right now, what is the marketing industry? What does it look like? When's the last time as a marketing professional you attended a web seminar about the current trends in marketing? When's the last time you read a white paper on the CMO white paper on the trends in the marketing industry? And so you have to take a more proactive approach if you are a sales professional. The sales professionals have to understand now that the, the world of cold calling is 
dying because customers are looking at you before you could ever get to them. So a salesperson has to learn what's those dynamics and how they have to align better with marketing in order to be more successful. And then how do you take an internet lead and people looking on the internet and then cultivate that warmer lead? Even recently, I attended a workshop that was very well done and on social media marketing, focusing on Facebook, because yeah. Facebook, well, should I just buy a Facebook ad, I think was the predominant question. And the person presenting said, look at what's the what future is coming, what regulations are coming, and here's marketers where you need to train. Know what's on WhatsApp, know what's on Messenger, know that things are being pushed to groups and pushed toward more privacy-minded marketing. So how are you going to engage those niche But John, groups? I don't do that at and my job, John. I don't do that at my job. Why is that relevant, John? Why? Well, this Why? Would, exactly. This was training outside of what you might That's get. it. This is what happens. This is what John, you did such a good job on this from my perspective because we sit, I'm a VP of marketing, I'm in the direct company, I do direct email and I do direct mail and that's what I have to do to do my job right and why do I need to take a class on Facebook? Because of the, the world's changing and even though Facebook's irrelevant to younger people. Or irrelevant to even you and your job, you still need to know it. It may be to a certain class, but this person pointed <laughs> out where they, they know that too. So Facebook's going through their apps and who they bought WhatsApp and others to potentially integrate all those systems mm -hmm. together. Now, how will you approach marketing then? And are you ready for that? If you're three years irrelevant and haven't done that and don't have proof and accomplishments there and you get laid off, guess what's going to happen? You're hosed. That's the issue. The issue is, is that you, we all get, career insurance is all about being proactive, not reactive. And it, as it relates to training, we have to be very proactive. We have to look and see what the company is offering us internally. We have to see what the company is offering us from external providers. And then we have to see what our industry is doing to make decisions on where we should be going. Because what the company offers may not be where you really need to go. And I think that's the first step. And this is what's hard that's for the people. Taking ownership and buying your own career insurance is all yeah. about, in a sense. On the education side, okay. right? So if I'm going to do career insurance on the education side, I'm either A, going to join a trade association that's tied to my career. If I'm a marketer, I'm going to join the American Marketing Association. B, I'm going to start looking at marketing meetups outside of that, a Facebook meetup group, a Twitter meetup group, a social media meetup group, and I'm going to go there once every other month. Hear what the latest thing is. Get some knowledge. But really, the third, which nobody does, is read the trends in my industry. What is AMA putting out each year? The CMO marketing, tr tr CMO trends, the CRO trends. Well, I'm not a CMO. You that all the more reason to read what the highest level is looking people for. are looking at, talking about, yes. writing about. That's it. So that's you your know. responsibility. That's you not, have if, to even do if that. it's not assigned to your job. This is taking ownership and building your own insurance pro portfolio for your career. Yeah, and if you don't, this is what happens. 15, 10 years into it, you're a marketing professional, and you did email, and the email was hot, and you're working with Bronto Mail or maybe MailChimp, and you really didn't go beyond that. You're 10 years into it, and the company lets you go. If you've been working email marketing... It's even coming faster now because I maybe think that say time seven frame years or sooner. That email skill is completely irrelevant. Most cases, they can find it with an intern then pay that intern $10 an hour to do what you were doing. 
You have to now move into marketing automation, the marketing automation system, connectivity into the e-commerce systems. And we're just taking one little track here. Yes. This can, and what's interesting about the training industry is it is a two, $300 billion industry. Is it really? Yeah, but it's completely fragmented. Because you, you don't buy training from the McDonald's of training. You buy it from the guru down the street. You're looking for the most expert person that you can find so you get trained from the best. So that's why training is so hard for an individual to kind of figure out because it's so difficult to find what's out there. So other than hiring career coaches, which I'm fine for people to do, <laughs> uh, how would they, what's the, what are some of the options you have to say, hey, there's so much information coming at me and training available and so on. You've given us some insights into that. How would you approach Let's talk this? about it a little bit more pragmatically. That's a good right. point. So I think pragmatic, number one, is you have to really look at yourself and decide, you know, if you are a product manager, are you going to stay a product manager? If you are a project manager, are you going to stay a project manager? Or do you want to move somewhere else? So if you want to make those decisions, then you have to decide where you want to go. So if you're going to be a project manager and you want to continue to grow, you got to know the trends in your industry. So you look to two or three trade associations. And for project management, it would be PMI, Prince, and then the Agile world. You look at those three, and you start looking at what the trends are. So you go to the Agile Alliance, the trade association there. You go to the PMI, the Project Management Institute. You, then you try to get a white paper or two. Once a year, you read the white paper and what the, what the latest trends are. They all do it. And you keep abreast. And when you're looking at these trends, then you start deciding how does that trend fit with you and you have the skills in that trend. And if you haven't trained yourself in three to five years, most likely the fifth year of the trends, you're gonna see that you don't have the skills that the trend documentation is saying are hot right now. So then you have to take a proactive approach on how to get that. Step one would be, can you get your company to buy into that? It's really hard to do. So in most cases, you're gonna to have to look at it. And what we have now is a wonderful resource called the internet. You can learn anything on the internet, in most cases for free or for a relatively small amount of money, but here's the challenge. On the internet, you don't learn how to get something done, you learn how to do something. So when you're digging into this, you'll learn about how to do it, but then at some point you'll need to show that how you got something done. Now here's how you do that. You look at volunteering for the same trade associations that you're working with to support the functions that you want to grow into. And we help our clients sometimes connect with early stage companies or, yeah. or consultants or people that need those skills. Well, I'm not gonna work for hours and hours for free, but you have to have the mindset that this is your internship that you're putting yourself through. Exactly, and then you can show the experience. So it's not just the fact that you learned how to do it, but then you have some practical. Well, David, so I come that. from the old school that says, if the experience isn't validated under a big company name, then it's not as valuable. Beggars can't be choosers in this market right now. There are so many high-end skills that, so when you, when you look at the job sphere, so many unplaced open positions because you can't find people experience that companies are willing to take risks as long as a person shows decent relevant experience. And that's really important. And the thing that I missed on this scenario as it related to the professional side is the certification angle. Sure. So what a lot of times, if you're in this older in the older field, there's gonna be a certification that becomes the first filter to move in that field. 
And you get a lot of old school professionals who will say, I don't need that certification. That's a paper certification. You know what? You're probably right. But guess what? You're not going to get the next job because they're going to throw you in the file cabinet as a in the file cabinet as a first. And that's where say, I think people need sometimes guidance from a coach. Yes, because yes. there's a there's a proliferation of certifications. Yeah, they're all over the place. Too. So to how, you know, what do I spend my time doing? It's overwhelming. Discerning what you knowing where you should go and being on this track is the exact right thought process, David, but also deciding what to do within that track, I think is very important and surgical to your career. And you're saying, if I'm hearing you right, don't wait for your company to suggest this to you. Oh, you're dead. This is what you own. You're dead. You're av- because nine times out of 10 companies now, especially the training industry, being a business owner in the training industry, I will tell you that companies are more apt these days to just hire the new skills than train for the new skills. And so it's, it's going to be on the individual side to take the risks. One of the things I think about with career insurance is that at some point, someone might underwrite the ability for you to take $5,000 out and go to a six-month retooling camp where you might go to a code academy or you might go to a project academy or you might go to a marketing academy and get reschooled on a specific element of the new areas in marketing, the new areas in code and development. And if someone doesn't come up with that idea, which I think you just came up with, you need to own that and you need to put your brain on the fact that, hey, I need to have a retooling academy going almost all the time or I risk becoming obsolete and I, re- I increase my risk to get laid off. I increase Absolutely. my risk not to be relevant to my even my clients. Mm-hmm. So we've got to continue on this path. Oh my gosh, yes. And then here's another area that you could force yourself into would be if you go to the internet and you start learning a skill. So you're a marketing professional and you start learning about marketing automation. In order to make it more real, you could do lunch and learns in your company to teach your other marketing team marketing automation and how it's relevant for your company. So you're forcing yourself to do something and you could show it on your resume. And doesn't, I think what we're not looking at is not looking at being pragmatic with the opportunity. Just think we have to have hardcore experience. No, you just have to show you use the knowledge you gained in a practical environment. That's proof of concept. All right, let's close out here. We could go on this subject for quite a while because you're passionate about it, I'm passionate about it. Uh, what do we need to know uh, to kind of wrap up this session? And we might have to do another one on this. Yeah, subject, maybe to summarize so a little more. Important. It is. So if I had to summarize this first part of continuing education, I would summarize it by telling you that you need to take ownership of where you want to go in your education. You can't go back to the company. You can utilize the company's resources, but you can't rely on the company. And the first step in that is understanding the trends in your marketplace. If you're a marketer, understanding the trends there. If you're an operations professional, understanding the trends there. If you're a data professional, whatever your profession is, there's a trade association. There's an organization talking about trends for you. And you need to be understanding of those trends and very self-understanding of your weaknesses in those trends. Because those trends are where they're going to only be placing people. And then we could talk through how to better build those skills up. But what John said is two hours with a career coach will give you everything you needed to have from at least understanding where the marketplace is going for you as a professional. And building your own brand. David Manica, Career Insurance. The chapter is called. (laughs) (laughs) This is um, how to deal with continuing education. And then we're going to tie in the trade associations later. So this is number three.